0: Storing carbon dioxide in geothermal wells could be a cheap way to mitigate climate change, and we, New Zealand, have the resources to do it. That's according to researchers at the University of Canterbury. Sound too good to be true? Well, Dr David Dempsey doesn't think so. Last week, the government floated some options to reform the emissions trading scheme, which included the possibility of establishing a removals market, so-called removals market. David is a senior lecturer in civil and natural resources engineering at the University of Canterbury, and he joins us now. Hi there, David. Good Jesse. Um, we better begin at the beginning. How important is it to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere?
1: Um, I'd say it's fairly significant. Um, it's obviously important that we reduce the amount of CO2 that we're putting up there. Um, but we've, we've had about a century of more putting a lot of it up, and it, eventually we're going to need to take some of it out. If you look at these um, you know, really interesting climate projections that the IPCC make, to stay under two degrees, a lot of those actually require us to be removing CO2 out of the atmosphere in the late 2050s and 60s. So uh, so, so what I'm thinking now.
0: Yeah, and, and sorry, I might have skipped a step there, but so, so two ways of dealing with climate change. Do I have that right? One is by reducing the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere, and second is by taking carbon out of the atmosphere, and it's the second one we're looking at today.
1: Yeah, that's right. You want to be doing both, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you explain how it's possible to store or remove CO2 and and store it in geothermal wells? we better start with what a geothermal well is.
1: Yeah. So uh, a geothermal well is just like a really deep straw underground. It goes down a couple of kilometres. And what it's doing is it's accessing a bunch of hot water down there. You're pulling it up. You're putting it through a turbine to generate electricity. And what's really important is that once you're done with the water and you've cooled it off, you put it back underground again. And if you don't do that, you end up running down your geothermal system over several decades. Um, so what you've got? Um, Sorry, why
0: running system. it down? What do you mean running it down?
1: Running it down um, basically, if you suck all the water out of your system, you drop the pressure in it, and it then becomes harder for you to get um, any more water okay. back out. So, so, what, so you what put
0: it back in the same of, put it back in the same place that you got it you, from.
1: You'll put it um, further away in a re-injection zone, mm. um, which might be several kilometres away, but that's enough to keep the pressure up right. so that you can continue producing from your system. Yes, got it. So that, that's already happening. Mm. <clears throat> we've, we've figured that out, which is the hard part and the very expensive part, hmm. drilling all those wells, getting the turbine, the above-ground system. Now, what we're suggesting is that, okay, you've got a ready pathway underground for carbon dioxide. You just need to find some and pop it away under there. And that's where the forestry part comes in, because all of our geothermal systems sort of happen to be co-located with these very large forests in the central North Island. And the nice thing about a forest is as it grows, it stores carbon dioxide. That's, you know, partly um, how forestry is able to um, obtain some credits under the current ETS. And what you can do is, is you can, I mean, essentially take a tree and burn it. You can use that extra energy to heat up your geothermal water a little bit more and get some more electricity out. And as a byproduct of that combustion, you get some CO2. And what you can do is you can take that CO2, you can dissolve it into your geothermal water that's going underground, a bit like a soda stream. And what you've essentially got is a long pathway for CO2 to go from the atmosphere to deep underground. And um, that's basically how it works.
0: Yeah. Sounds, and I've been doing little drawings as you've been talking, um, just to help my brain understand it. Yeah. Um, sounds quite simple. Is it simple?
1: Uh, I mean, there's always technical details, of course, but... Um, So, you know, I guess one of the key differences we're talking about here is the dissolution of CO2 like a soda stream rather than um, decades ago or even now. There are these other projects that would prefer to take CO2 and compress it into a liquid itself and inject that underground as a pure form. Now, the trouble with doing that is um, liquid CO2 is still lighter than water. So it's going to tend to want to bubble up over time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we take the CO2 and dissolve it into the water, you can't get as much in, but at least you can guarantee that it's um, it's not going to necessarily rise up. If anything, it's going to tend to want to sink a little bit, and that's kind of useful.
0: Yeah. And apologies if any of these are stupid questions. If the carbon is in the tree, why would you want to burn it? Why not just leave it in the tree?
1: Yeah, no, good point. Okay, so you you know you lock it up in a forest, and it will stay locked up providing you... Don't harvest those trees ever again. Or if you harvest them and they turn into a product, you can guarantee that that product is not going to end up landfilled, eventually decomposing and releasing its CO2. So if you want to go that route, that's fine. It's just that we may not have enough land area to grow enough forests to do enough CO2 removal. So what this proposes is essentially a bit of overturning of the same area. Grow a tree take it down, burn it, put the CO2 underground and then grow a tree again in the same place. Now, it's obviously not quite that simple. There's lots of complex um, management and forestry um, that you're going to want to have to do. Um, But it's really getting around that issue of there's not enough space for enough forests to solve the kind of problem we're looking at. Yeah,
0: got it. Once it goes underground, is it there for keeps?
1: If you're doing things properly, yes, it ought to be. Um, So in that sense, you want to be injecting it very deep, like they tend to do in a geothermal system. Now, the last thing you want in a geothermal system is when you inject your um, relatively cool water that it shows back up again at your original production wells because then you're going to cool down your geothermal system and you're not going to be able to generate as much electricity. So they're doing an awful amount of clever engineering to stop that from happening. And I guess we're taking advantage of that. If the cold water is not showing up, then also our carbonated um, soda water is less likely to show up as well. Um, so it ought to stay down for a very, very long time.
0: How much CO2 could we remove this way?
1: In terms of upper limits, you know your real bottlenecks are how many geothermal systems and plants do we have, um, How many forests are we growing and milling every year? We sort of think that you could go up to 3 million tonnes a year if you got very enthusiastic about doing this at all of our geothermal systems. Uh, 3 million tonnes a year is quite a lot, but it's not going to be enough in any way to account for all of our emissions. Um, But, you know, we we still think it's a respectable number. Even if you can only do 10% of that, that's still 300,000 tonnes a year, and it's a lot of CO2 out of the atmosphere every year.
0: Yeah. And it's comparatively cheap, I understand.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key thing. It's, I mean, the science is very fun and interesting, but at the end of the day, it's the boring old dollars that kind of drive the decision-making. Uh, and when you're doing CO2 removal and you're looking at some of the other options overseas, they can be hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a tonne of CO2. Um, we've done some calculations and said, look, if we've got the forests, we've already got the geothermal systems bought and paid for then really your major cost is just buying a log. Um, that becomes the thing that determines how much it is for a ton of CO2 to go underground. We think maybe something on the order of $55 for a ton of CO2. Uh, now, given that the current voluntary market's overseas, you can sell something like that for two or $300. Um, you've, you've got a situation where the economics are sort of working in your favour, and that's probably important if you want to convince someone to invest and try this out.
0: Yeah, sounding good. Um, and you mentioned this at the start, but presumably it's part of the calculation too, is that you're actually producing electricity at the same time.
1: Yep, that factors in as well, and that's another um, aspect that kind of helps reduces the costs across the board. Um, so re- really it is about leveraging as many advantages as you possibly can to sort of bring those costs down. Um, and then you know, what that does is it allows you maybe get a few field trials running work out some of the details, figure out where the other cost savings might be, um, and then sort of steadily expand the technology, solve the problems, that sort of thing. Where do we start? Where do we start? When, well, we yeah. Think we start in, oh, when? Um, well, hopefully in New Zealand. We're closer than you think. Many of the big geothermal companies here are already doing something pretty impressive. There's CO2 that comes out underground from underground when they just produce the water anyway to put it through a turbine. And historically that CO2 has gone into the atmosphere. It's not been a huge amount, but it's been enough. Um, But that tends not to be the case anymore. They're now figuring out how to capture that and put that away. And you've got geothermal systems like NAFA up in Northland who are taking tens of thousands of tonnes a year that was originally going to the atmosphere and is now going away underground. Um, So they're sort of already doing it a lot We're just saying you could put a bit more CO2 in there.
0: Someone wants to know if there'll be any effects of re-injecting acidified water into the ground.
1: Yep, that's definitely something that you're going to want to manage. As you put CO2 in, you're going to lower the pH, um, and so that potentially will have some effects on uh, some of your wells, and there may be some corrosion that has to be managed. At the end of the day, if you can lower the pH of um, water, you actually start inducing potentially some reactions with the rock. and Those are quite beneficial reactions because you can end up essentially precipitating out some of that carbon into a solid rock form that is then very much permanently locked up. So you'll get little calcites or carbonates precipitating out uh, and then that can actually work in your favour. So it's Absolutely, it's, it's it's part of the um, it's part of the whole thing, um, but it, it may actually be an advantage.
0: Is this a game changer? Uh,
1: I think that remains to be seen. If in ten years' time uh, we are injecting you know hundreds of thousands of tons of CO two this way, then absolutely.
0: Uh, and I guess a distinctly New Zealand solution, huh? There wouldn't be all countries that could do this.
1: Well, that's where it's exciting, I think. Um, New Zealand, we suggest, is the lowest hanging fruit. We're a great opportunity to try this out and figure out the details. Now, if we showed people how to make it work, you've got lots of other geothermal companies out there around the world. Um, Iceland, California, Indonesia, Japan, they all have different contexts. Um, they all have different forestry or none at all. Some of them might take their CO2 from a technology called direct air capture. Others have very low temperature geothermal resources that actually come out of old oil and gas wells. But the key is that the well is already there, and so you've got that cost advantage. So there may be opportunities to repurpose some of that old hydrocarbon infrastructure to do this.
0: Great stuff, um... Love a reason to be optimistic, David. Thanks very much for thinking this through for us. we we'll look forward to seeing where it goes.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Thanks very much.
0: Dr David Dempsey at University of Canterbury. is a senior lecturer in civil and natural resources engineering and he says it's uh, highly possible to store carbon dioxide in geothermal wells. You grow the trees, then burn them and save the CO2 and grow more trees. Run Saves that problem of not having enough space for the amount of trees you need